You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Christine, welcome to Real Faith Stories. I'm so glad to have you on the podcast today. So glad to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. It was so good to interview your husband several episodes ago, and I thought it was fascinating what he shared about you, and so I'm really grateful that you can be on the podcast. And I'd love to hear your story about how you got into the real estate industry and how God has led you into some amazing things that you've implemented in your real estate business. So could you share some of that with us, please? Sure. My husband and I, we obviously we work together and um, it's been that way. We've been married 15 years and from the moment we met, we've started working together. And uh, our walk with the Lord really didn't begin until you know, after my first son was born, which mm-hmm. was in 2007, which was right around the time where the uh, the market crashed, you know, back then. He had been investing in real estate, just doing really well. And then all of a sudden, everything just got pulled from under us. Mm-hmm. The funny thing, it, it all kind of happened after we decided we were going to surrender our lives and give our lives to the Lord together as husband and wife. We were both baptized together. And after that, everything just kind of went haywire, <laughs> you know, oh. and, and I look back on it, you know, we, we talk about it all the time and it was, that's just how God works. It's not that he was trying to punish us or anything. He was actually trying to redirect us so that because that was our prayer is that we wanted to, to know him more and to bring him into our family and our homes that he had to really just correct our path. Um, and it was really needed for us, too, because, like I said, we had been working in the world, living in the world. It was all focused on material. I love that you said you got redirected. You framed this completely differently than most people would. You know, we we go ahead and dedicate our lives to Jesus, and then God does a redirect. And it was hard, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it was. <laughs> when you had that redirect occur... What was your initial response, and then how did that change as you began to see that this was what it was, a redirect? At that time, we weren't in a church. I grew up in a Baptist family. Charbel grew up as a Catholic. He was from Lebanon. I was from Vietnam. So when we grew up, it was very different. God wasn't in the center of our lives. He was just peripheral. Mm -hmm. When we got married, we said we wanted something different for our family, And that different would be to find a church, figure out what God was all about, because even though we kind of knew him, we didn't really know him. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we were putting him first and we didn't have a choice. We were in a position of destitute where, you know, all our finances had gone upside down. All the properties that he had owned prior to us getting together, where he was sitting on millions of equity, just overnight disappeared. Wow. And that was right when our two kids were born, they're 14 months apart. And so my oldest was 16 months. And then my daughter at that time was about two months. We were both doing commission. He was doing lending. I was doing real estate. So our commission at that time, if you remember that period, you know, short sales were happening, foreclosures were happening. So as a realtor, I literally was making about 
a buck fifty an hour because Whoa. it would take so long just to get a deal done. Any deals that we were doing normally would take forty five days. You would get now have to wait over a year to get paid. Wow! Literally, we were not making anything. Um, to cover any of our expenses. So your cash flow virtually stopped, didn't it? Yes. Yeah. It did. And then you've got a two-month-old and a 16-month-old child in the midst of this, and you're upside down on everything. Yes. Wow, great times, huh? <laughs> we Our phone was ringing off the hook. Creditors were calling, credit card companies, you know, utility companies, our utilities are being shut off and turned back on every few months. And we were just sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, what is going on? Yeah. And there were times where I would have my conversations with God, like, God, what are you doing? You know, we just decided to follow you and here we are in this place. We thought we were supposed to be blessed, <laughs> you know? Um, but then we, we had a friend that introduced us to a church that we started going to called Connect. Um, and actually, this was we started going to that church before my son was born. But we started really getting engaged in it. And um, one day, a friend of mine, um, my mentor, I call her my spiritual mentor, she came and she kind of stopped me in the hallway. You meet this woman. She's amazing. And she's like, you know, why don't you join our prayer team? I looked at her and I kind of laughed and I'm like, you don't want me to join your prayer team. I really honestly don't even know how to pray. Anyway, she wouldn't take no for an answer. And I talked to Charbel and he's like, why don't you just join? You know, sometimes when people ask you to do things, you think that you're going there to help people, <laughs> not realizing that sometimes God puts us in position, in places and positions in people's lives for us to be helped. Yeah. And nobody knew what was going on in our lives at the time because we were too ashamed to share. So I started going to this prayer meetings with these women and it was just all women. They were called intercessors. I didn't even know what intercessors meant at the time. I would go and they would talk about things and they would share. And then at the end of every meeting, they'd lay hands on each other and start praying for each other. And I learned how to really pray. I learned how to draw closer to God. And as they're praying for me, I started feeling a change in me. Mm. Started feeling more peace about the situation, even though nobody would have felt peace in our situation. I learned so much in that moment where I started taking that home and praying over my own family and my and our finances and everything else too. There was one Sunday I woke up and I heard the Lord say, give me your last hundred. I'm thinking, how does he know I even have a last hundred? <laughs> because literally in our bank account, I think we had about $128 left. And it was Sunday morning, getting ready to go to church. It was about as soon as I get up, it was about five something. I started hearing that voice, you know, getting ready, driving to church. I kept hearing that gentle voice, not like, give me your money. It was just like, you know, trust me, give give me this, give me this. And I was just fighting with it in my head. I'm thinking, this can't be God. You know, this must be the enemy trying to bankrupt me. Because if I give this hundred, I th we'd have nothing for the week. We have diapers, all of the stuff that we need to pay for. I kept it to myself. I didn't share it with Charbel because he would just think I was nutty. <laughs> and um, all the way to church, while we're in church, during worship, during the sermon, I could not hear anything else but that whisper. Yeah. So we're sitting down listening to the sermon. And so I finally pulled out our checkbook and Charbel's paying attention. And I'm over here on the side, kind of on the side without letting him see it. <laughs> I write out a check for a hundred dollars. Yep. 
And I put it in the envelope, put it back in my purse, and service was over. So we're walking out. They have a box at the door. We're walking out, and I see the box, and I'm smiling at people as we're leaving. I see the box, and I just keep walking. And I'm like, I can't do it. I couldn't do it. So we get in the car, and the nudging was so strong. We strapped the kids in. My heart was racing. I told Charval, I'm like, can you just wait? I need to run back in. He's like, what do you need? I said, don't don't worry, just I'll be right back. So I go back in with my purse. I take the envelope out. And I don't know if you've seen that scene from Ghost where Whoopi Goldberg at the end has this huge check and and she had to give it to the nuns um, as she was fighting with them, mm-hmm. you know, hanging onto that check for dear life. And that's how I felt was this $100 was like, even though in the realm of things, it wasn't anything, it was still for us in that moment, everything. So I put the check in finally, and I walk out with my head down, I get in the car, and I just felt like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I did the right thing. I think I just bankrupt us. How do I tell my husband this when Monday comes and we need something? Yeah. So we had been invited to a Super Bowl game. It was a Super Bowl Sunday. We went there, our friend that we hadn't seen in a while, he had lobsters and and everything. It was like a, a feast for a king that we hadn't had in a, in a while because of where we were. And so I'm sitting there not really enjoying it because I felt like I just bankrupt our home. Mm-hmm. But I'm in my mind thinking, okay, you know, maybe, maybe this was God's reward. Maybe this meal was just his way of, of saying good job and still miserable. <laughs> <laughs> the night ends, we walk out the door his friend calls him back. He was standing outside opening the door so I could go out. And his friend's like, Charbel, you know, hands over a piece of paper to me. And Charbel's like, you know, what is that? He said, well, you did some work for me like years ago and I forgot to pay you. <laughs> so it was actually a check. He handed it to me, got in the car. I opened up the check and it was a check for 500. Wow. And I just started bawling. Charbel's sitting there thinking, what's You know, yeah, we need this money. It's great timing. But why are you crying? I tell him, don't worry about it. And it was in that moment, and I'm going to cry when I speak about this still. It was in that moment that I felt like I just knew that the Lord really, truly loved me Mm. and loved us. And that this whole principle of tithing that we had been learning in church was so true. It's like, it's all about trusting God. And I realized I hadn't trust him all the way up to that point. Mm. You know, I wanted to, I just didn't know how. And that moment right there was, it solidified everything that I heard, but just never experienced. It became very real, didn't it? It became very real. And from that moment on, I tithing became just a part of me and a part of us. I didn't share with Charbel what, what I had done right away because I was still afraid he would, you know, he would be upset or think I was crazy. But I started just believing even even the little things. If I heard the Lord speak, I would just do it. So for me, that just became a part of me. When we started the capstone, the construction business in 2008, that became a part of it. So in December 2008, during all this stuff that was happening, Charbel and I were sitting on the sofa and he was opening his Bible and I, I said, well, what are you doing? You know, he's like, well, I'm just we need to figure out how to reinvent ourselves because this isn't working. 
I try to get work, try to apply for a legal secretary job with a friend of ours. I was a legal secretary for 10 years mm-hmm. and I applied to work with him. He needed somebody, but he didn't hire me. And I was upset that he didn't hire me, but his reason for not hiring me was he said, Christine, I know you and Charbel, and I know that you guys are going to bounce back quickly. And because I know that, I would end up hiring you and needing you, and then you'd end up leaving. Wow. So I want to do you a favor by not hiring you, not because you're not capable, but because I know you guys. And I was upset about that, but he was right, because mm-hmm. right after that conversation, we sat there on the sofa and Sharp, I was like, why don't I just start a construction company? You know, my background is legal secretary, so I knew how to set up businesses and stuff like that. So on Christmas 2008, we decided that's what we were going to do. And when he was opening the Bible, he read about the, the stone that the, the builders had rejected called the capstone, which is Jesus. So he said, why don't we name it capstone? It was just like God had ordained that company. And the logo came so easily. We decided we're going to do this for God. It wasn't going to be for us anymore. We tried it this way. We need God. Mm. So on our logo, we sat there and we had about a five-minute conversation about whether we were, we were going to put In God We Trust on our logo. Because we said, well, if we put that, if people see that and be offended, they may not want to work for us. And so back and forth, we finally decided that, hey, if we're going to do this for God, He's going to provide because that's what we've been taught. No matter what, he'll provide. And people that don't want to work with us, we're not going to we're not going to worry about it. So that's when we took the step of forming the company, dedicating it to God, because we had taken Crown Financial a few months earlier um, and they taught us about how to deed things over and all of that. So we did all of those. We took all of those steps and deeded the business over to God, prayed, committed it to the Lord. And we started that business with negative in our account. We were in the red. And so people don't normally start businesses when you're in the red. They have to go get loans, except we couldn't get loans because our credit was shot, (laughs) you know, so nobody would lend to us. But we started it. It was a $100 to get the company organized and all that. We, We were able to scrounge that up and do it. And a few weeks later, he receives a call from a friend from church who is an auctioneer. And it was winter. He called Charbel and he said, hey, we have a warehouse of flooring going out of business. And do you want to come and, you know, try to buy some stuff? I know you guys just started this business. So he's like, well, we have no money to do it. And he's like, well, nope, just come on down. Just come down and take a look and see what, who knows. Mm-hmm. It was the dead of winter. The weather was really bad. He shows up our friend and the auctioneer, no one else showed up. And (laughs) this is a huge (laughs) warehouse, you know, all the materials in there, I think he was saying was like close to $20,000 worth of materials that they needed to just get rid of and shut down. So the auctioneer, he's talking to the auctioneer, the auctioneer is like, make me an offer. And he jokingly says to them, well, why don't you pay me to take all this away for you? (laughs) (laughs) You know, you need to get rid of it, you know? So anyway, he's like, no, no, I can't do that, but make an offer. He called his friend first to see if he could borrow some money. His friend had $5,000 to lend him. I mean, this was $20,000. You couldn't do, get everything. Mm-hmm. He put a bid in for $5,000. The auctioneer said, okay, done. It's yours. Now figure out how to move it. So with that 5000 that his friend lent him, we were able to get 
all of the materials. It may have been even more than 20,000, I think. Mm -hmm. And he had a warehouse. We shipped it all there. We really believe that that was a gift from God that really helped to launch us. We started selling things even before he left the warehouse. He started selling some of the stuff and he was able to pay that $5,000 back right away. And everything from that point on was just profit. That's where we were able to start getting a place for our business and and Capstone just really started booming. I mean, mm. in, in a time where people were hurting, we were growing exponentially every year. Incredible. Yeah, it was incredible. And every time we talk about it, we just know that that was God. He had that all planned. And it sounds very familiar to Charbel's story about the first homes he purchased in the, yeah. <laughs> in the tax auction. Amazing stuff. It's like, this is the way God has operated in your lives. You started then, eventually, your own real estate business. Share about that, please. In 2012, you know, we were doing very well um, in the capstone, and I love working with my husband. People look at that and say, how do you guys live together, eat together, work together, and still be married? I can't, I, I always tell them God created Adam and Eve. You know, he didn't just create Adam. He didn't just create Eve. And we we should be working together because we have each other's back. And it leaves very little room for the enemy to come in if we put Christ at the center, which is what we've done. Um, But in 2012, Charbel started nudging me and saying, hey, maybe you should start your own real estate company. And I thought he was trying to fire me. So I was getting <laughs> mad. And I'm like, well, you know, I, I, how can you do that? We, we work together so well. And he's like, well, maybe just think about it. And I fought him for a year. I fought him. And then in 2013, you know, and I look back now, I just recently I look back and it was around March of 2013. I started feeling that that nudge, that same nudge I felt about the tithing of that $100, I felt that gentle nudge again. Now, my relation at this point, my relationship with God has gotten stronger. I, I've learned how to hear him and conversations with him in my head and in my heart. And I kept saying to God, no, I, I don't want to do this. Keep me with my husband. Because 2007 left a very sour taste in my mouth with the real estate world. Mm-hmm. And I just don't, didn't want anything to do with it. And the Lord just kept nudging me and slowly got kind of tired of fighting and arguing. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, why do you want me to do it? Then I realized the year before I was praying and asking God for a purpose. Hmm. Like, God, I love what I'm doing, but give me purpose. Stream Home Makeover was one of the things that God had given us to do, um, which was very purposeful in, in Capstone, what we did. But that wasn't enough. I'm like, give me some kind of purpose. You know, then the Lord spoke to me in a way that was so clear to me. He said, I want you to build a front line of people, of army, to go into people's homes and bring me in there. And at first I'm thinking, I don't, I can't debate with atheists. I I don't know the Bible well enough to do that, God. You know, how, how, why would you want, I'm not qualified. Mm. And then he showed me that it wasn't, during this time, we were coming out of this period, people were still hurting from the the backlash of the real estate market. You know, we we're still doing short sales. There were still foreclosures that were happening and literally gave me the Bible verse um, about, and I can't remember right now, but it, it was just resurrecting the dry bones. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so he said, I want you to go in and resurrect the dry bones. And the dry bones were not the non-Christians. It was people that that were Christians that at one point knew him, but fell away because of all of the stress that they were going through, which Charbel and I had experienced ourselves. So hearing all that and, and understanding finally what he was trying to do, my last argument to him was, God, I don't have my broker's license. In my heart, I'm speaking to God and I'm sharing this with Charbel. I said, if, if you want me to do this, you're going to have to figure out how to get me my broker's license because it's going to take me at least another year to get this accomplished. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, I'm sitting in my office and he nudges me to call this a friend of ours. His name is Bob Olso. And Bob's an attorney. He was 60, I think 65 at the time, getting ready to retire, enjoy life. And he said, call Bob. And I'm in my office kind of laughing and I'm like, okay, I'm going to call him. But if he says no, because he's getting ready to retire, this is the, this is the end, you know, just kind of let me be. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I call Bob and, um, so I said, hey, Bob, what do you think about starting a real estate company with me? With all expectation of him saying no thanks. When I asked him that, he didn't even think about it. He didn't even say, let me ask my wife. Let me talk to her. Let me, I'm getting ready to retire. None of that. He's like, yeah, why not? That was how he literally responded. Yeah, why not? I love it. I said, you know what, you know, you know, you're, I'm asking you to open a brokerage, right? Not just like, getting your brokers and doing one or two deals. He's like, yeah, I know. I trust you guys. Next thing you know, within a three-week period, Cedarwood was formed. So the name of your brokerage is is Cedarwood Realty? Yes, Cedarwood Realty Group. How I got that name was also through prayer because I'm not good at naming anything. <laughs> you know. Um, and I did go to Charbel and said, hey, can you help me think of a name for the company? I went through the Bible, looking at every name, Zion, Cornerstone, all of that. And uh, neither one of them, Charbel or Bob, you know, really were excited about it. So Charbel's like, well, have you prayed about it? Did you ask God? I'm like, no, not really. Not yet. I started praying and I, I went for a run. And then at my one mile mark, I just stopped. And I looked up and I hear Cedarwood. Mm. And I'm thinking, okay, what does Cedarwood mean? You know, other than, yeah, my husband's from Lebanon, it's, they, you, they grow cedar trees there. So I go back to my office, I look up cedar wood, I found out that King Solomon used that wood to build the Lord's temple mm-hmm. and to build, you know, his, his temple also. Also, they used cedar wood back then to purify and to, anytime you do cleansing, spiritual cleansing or anything, they would use cedar wood to do that. So... I shared that with Bob and my husband, and they both loved it. And that's how we the name Cedarwood came about. Great story. Now that you've chosen the name for the business, things have launched at this time. What happened next? The first few months, actually, I still was not very clear. I just knew that this is something God wanted. Why, you know, what makes us any different from any other real estate company other than, you know, we're tithing. We can tithe doing, you know, working anywhere. But what makes this different? And God started showing me the first few clients that I had were actually pastors. Somehow, some way they heard about us. They found out about us and they called and said, hey, you know, I need help. Can I meet with you? Within a couple of weeks period, I met with two pastors that were pretty much in the same boat Charbel and I were, mm-hmm. where they had bought a house 
in 2005, they had to refinance to pay expenses and stuff because the market hit. And so both of them were in that position where they were behind on their mortgage, way behind. They didn't know what to do. They were so distressed that their focus on building God's church was not there. Mm-hmm. They were depressed. They were ridden with anxiety. They were having marital issues, all of that stuff that was hidden. Mm-hmm. Because as you and I both know, being leaders of a church, these leaders don't always share everything because they're trying to be strong and they're trying to portray an image that would help their people and not hurt them. So anyway, so I got to sit with them and we ended up praying and doing short sales for them because we had to do short sales on our own property. So I was able to learn how to do that. And within six months, they were able to sell their home at a short sale and they didn't have to pay what they owed because in short sales versus foreclosures, you're forgiven at that 30, 40. Um, actually, one of them owed about 150000 but that was forgiven. So that was taken off of them. And to this day, we're still friends because they felt such a sense of gratitude, not towards towards me, but that God had led them to us Mm -hmm. um, because they didn't know what to do. So just to know that we had a hand in helping these pastors so that they could go back to pastoring their church, they could go back to living that life that God wants us to live. And without all the strength, that was our purpose. What a wonderful confirmation that those are your first interactions with customers. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. So now let's fast forward to today. How many agents work with you now and what's happened with respect to the business and what you've implemented? Today, we're up to 40, I want to say 44 agents. Wait, 44? Yes, 44 agents. Congratulations. Praise God. Praise God. Since God started this company, he's been growing us every year. Every year we climbed the charts. We're in the top 1% in, in the city of Worcester, top 2% in Worcester County, and then top 5% in all of Massachusetts. So help me understand, Christine, when you say top 1, top 2, top 5, is that based on revenue? What's the, the measurement there? Yes, it's based on revenues. And the people like in our city... The, the number one company is Keller Williams, then you have Cowell Banker and Remax, and then, you know, you trickle down a couple more, and then it's us. So we're this little company going against all these monster companies. Mm-hmm. And our agents are so humble. You know, majority of our agents are Christians because that's why they join us for the mission. We have a couple of Muslims. We had one, at one point a Buddhist, but everybody who comes, they know and we don't hide it. It's in our contract for them to see right up front is that we're a Christian based company and that we pray and at our meetings, we'll pray over our agents. You need anything? We'll, we'll pray. And God is the center of everything we do. Mm. Um, our marketing is around glorifying God. We have a a hashtag that the Lord really spoke to me. It's called mission over commission. That was coined in 2015. Now everybody's using it. That is strong. Yeah. And we have a mission over commission award every year for the, the agent or the employee that really goes above and beyond the commission. And we have, and every year we, we have to kind of pick one or two Mm because they all do it. It's, Then such an amazing journey. In 2015, though, I almost closed the company. 
only because what happens as a business person, a businesswoman, a businessman is sometimes when you're in trying to grow your business, you try to grow it so quickly and you sometimes you hear God, but you're not always following every step. You're going ahead of God sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that can be the danger because it happens because you think, okay, well, this idea or that idea. And in 2015, I realized that I was trying to recruit people and all of that. But what I really needed to do was say, okay, God, you do it. So instead of closing down, I took a step back and I said, God, I'm rededicating this company to you. You need to lead, please. I repented. And I said, from this point on, I am not recruiting another person. Whoever you bring is who you bring, who you want here. And whoever you need to remove, you remove. Because I used to take it hard when people would leave. But now when people leave, my feeling is, you know what? They've been here. They've been trained on how to do mission ministry in the workplace. So if they leave, that means they're going to take what we taught them with them. So that's more kingdom building out there. Christine, that's such a dramatic shift in thinking. You've taken your hands off and you've literally thrown them up in the air and said, God, this is yours again. You do what you want to do with this. You literally gave it all back to him again, didn't you? Yes, I did. I had to. And why did you have to? I was hiring the wrong people and I was marketing in a way that was very worldly and you pay for ads and this and that. And God kept reminding me to me, and I tell my agents this all the time, that he is our billboard. He is the one that will bring us the business. And the minute we take that $5,000 a month and put it in a billboard, and we forget that that $5,000 should be growing his kingdom and growing his and helping his children, that's just not the way God does business. God is very personal. He's all about his kingdom. He's all about his children. And so Even in our marketing, the way we do it is different from the way the world does it. Help me understand how your marketing is different. It's different in that our money goes into growing Christ-centered ministries. Our money goes into helping families that need actual help instead of putting it into paying a billboard to be put up on the side of a highway or even internet. So if you look at our P&L, we don't have too much money invested in the marketing. Most of our money is invested in donations. Wow. And so just this past Christmas, we were able to gather 15 businesses and individuals together and raise $12,000 so that we could give five nonprofits that we know are Christ-centered that are building God's kingdom out there. And we were able to donate to five organizations. One of them being Teen Challenge, which is all over the place. So your marketing, I put in air quotes, your marketing dollars are really going to worthy charities that are Christ-centered. And then God is taking care of the marketing for you. Yes. Incredible. You know, as you've gone on this journey, what is it right now that you're asking? What's the question that you're asking the Lord about right now? Um, This year was our seventh year. So in the beginning of 2019, I did not know what that COVID was hitting. I received a word last September that during a in a recession, we will not just survive. Cedarwood will not just survive, but we will thrive. Mm. And I saw that with my own eyes this year because 
for some people, it's been a recession for them. For us, for the real estate industry, it's been busier than ever. Mm-hmm. You know, in the beginning of the year, it, this was my year to rest. And we worked really hard building the first six years, the seventh years to rest. And it, that's just like how God worked. He took six days to build his kingdom. And on the seventh day, he rested. So right now, as we end this year, I've been praying and saying, okay, God, I know you wanted me to rest. I thank you for that rest. Now, what do you want to see happen next year? Mm-hmm. And with all these businesses that are closing, I just felt like the Lord said, don't worry about these businesses closing because I'm coming back and I'm resurrecting kingdom businesses. Mm. And so while everybody's looking at, okay, well, we need to close this and this and this, I'm telling people around me, we need to open up kingdom businesses. Mm -hmm. And so we started helping a few people actually start businesses and sitting with them and teaching them how to do everything we did, which is dedicate their business on paper, everything over to God. So in the last, I would say the last two months, we've helped about four businesses, but they understand too, that we're only, we're going to help you start your business, but you have to make this business about God. It has to be about kingdom building. Mm -hmm. I just believe that God needs more of us out there. And while the churches are, being restricted to numbers of people in there and everything, we, as the body of Christ, do not need to be restricted. We can bring God with us everywhere. And especially in the marketplace, we we need to step up even more because we know there's a lot of Christians here, out here that own their own business, and but we don't hear a lot from them. I think one, because they're fearful, just like we were in the beginning, that if they say they're Christians and stuff, people won't do business. But we can really tell them now, hey, look at us. I mean, look at what God did. He took two people that were destitute and just desperate for God. And he used us in ways that we couldn't even imagine, ways that we would never have have thought to do. And we've been able to, through the company he's given us, impact so many lives and, and encourage so many other people to run their business for God. We even have pastors that are on board with us as agents. That's great. Let me ask Christine as we finish up here, what's the greatest piece of advice you feel like you could give somebody right now to encourage them the most in this season? My greatest advice is to do three things. To love the Lord with everything you have and to love the people that he brings around you, regardless of what they look like or, or, you know, how much money they have or anything, or if they can bring any value to you, whoever God brings, you just love them because you never know what that love would do for that person. Mm. And then finally, not to fear anything, not to fear who you are in Christ and to be bold for God Because even God says in the Bible, when we honor him, he honors us. And just to be genuine. That's such good advice. If you would please, as we finish up here, pray for our listeners, I'd greatly appreciate it. Sure. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for everything. We thank you for just your presence, just how much you love us, Father, how much you love your children, how much you want to have such a intimate relationship with each and every one of us, Father. We thank you for 
this time together and for this opportunity to just share this testimony, Father, for what you've done in and through us in the good times and the bad times, Father, especially in the bad times that we went through. Though the world looks at it and thinks it's bad, we look at it and think, wow, God, you are just, you're loving us even more because you want us to see you and your true love for us, Father, and that you will never fail us. And Father, I ask you right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that as the world um, shifts and changes, that, Lord, we know you never change and that you, we know that your promises are so great, Father. So whatever promises that you've made or covenant you've made with people out there, Lord, with your children, I ask you that you fulfill them and help them, Father, to understand their purpose. That our purpose, Father, on earth right now is just to be your hands and feet, to build your kingdom, Father, and let Christians understand that that is, that is our ultimate purpose. So, Father, I ask your glory to continue to shine through businesses, through ministries, Father. And, Lord, in this time of people stepping back, Lord, we ask that you help Christians. We ask that you help your children to step forward to continue to build your kingdom as we wait for your coming, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Christine, such an encouraging conversation. Thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you so much, Brian. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, Read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.